a little baby girl? Doctor says it could be any day now. So, Harry, you and Susan are cousins. So your baby daughter is going to be Susan's second cousin, right? Mm -hmm. So what does that make me? Doesn't make you anything. Well, so legally, I could marry your daughter. <laughs> down to a few. We like Kimberly. Oh, oh boy. <laughs> you don't like Kimberly? Eh. <laughs> what else you got? How about John? Now, come on, I'm eating here. <laughs> Pamela? Pamela? All right. I'll tell you what. You look like nice people. I'm going to help you out. <laughs> you want a beautiful name? Soda. <laughs> what? Soda. S-O-D-A. Soda. I don't know. It sounds a little strange. <laughs> All names sound strange the first time you hear them. What, are you telling me that the people love the name Blanche the first time they heard it? Yeah, but, uh, soda? Yeah, that's right. It's working. We'll put it on the list. I solve problems. That's just what I do. Hello! And welcome to The Place to Be, a Seinfeld podcast. I'm your host, Adam. And I'm Eric. On today's episode, we welcome Ken Hudson Campbell. Ken has appeared in a number of films and TV shows, including Home Alone, Groundhog Day, Herman's Head, Strangers with Candy, The Practice, Armageddon, and Curb Your Enthusiasm. But Seinfeld fans will always remember him for playing Ken in the classic Season 7 episode, The Seven. And we're so glad you can join us today. Thank you for being with us, Ken. Wow, it's great to be here. Nice to meet you guys, Adam and Eric. It's a pleasure to be here. Oh, well, the pleasure is all ours. We're really excited to talk to you. So we're just going to get right into it. How did the role on Seinfeld first come about? It was an audition. It just went well. And... um you know, uh, I was surprised to see that they had then named the character Ken, which I thought either that's the biggest coincidence in the world or they liked my audition so much that they decided uh, or they decided that it was easier just to have my name be the name of the character. Then they no one have to worry about what they called me. I think I don't know. <clears throat> but uh, it was it was a great time. It. Um, <clears throat> Well, that's this isn't really an answer to your question, but it was really striking to me when I got on that set. And it was that, you know, I came from Herman's Head, which was we were something like 45th in the in the ratings at that time. And uh, and they were number one. Seinfeld was number one. And we had more attitude and more, uh, uh, you know, spoiled actors on our show than they had on their show. They were running top. They all watched each other's scenes. They complimented each other all the time. They, you know, well, I mean, it was appropriate. They, but they gave my, each other ideas and suggestions. It, they were a phenomenal cast to work with. I mean, I walked down the set and I felt like, you know, you look around, you look at the cereal boxes up on there and they, you know, in the, you're in the kitchen. It's like you're in the set of All in the Family or something, you know. Definitely had that feeling of, you know, this is uh, number one class outfit, and and this is kind of historic to be a part of it. So it was just uh, great. But I also knew a number of people involved with the show, like Fred Stoller, and and, uh, and I kind of knew Jerry and and uh, Larry David, but you know, just from the the business, you know, and like you know, Jerry first day right before the table read, hi Ken, you know. Now, is that because they named my character Ken? That kept the confusion good so Jerry could write, <laughs> say hello. <laughs> I don't know. But, you know, he he knew me from around or whatever. So, um, uh, yeah, it was just uh, uh, a great cast to work with. And except Michael Richards sold me what I believe to be a fake Cuban cigar. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that, that you don't. That's not a Cuban, you know, it was I, I know cigars just because he's on the big show doesn't mean he gets good Cubans. They're ripping them off for sure. You know that. Right. 
Well, that's, that gives you a great story, though. <laughs> never guess it's only a fake human. <laughs> when did you smoke cigars with him? Oh, you know, um, on breaks, uh, uh, you know, uh, <clears throat> you know, be, before the run through or, you know, whatever, between rehearsals, eat, you know, lunch, whatever. But, um, yeah, well, just on a break or whatever. And he was uh, he was not selling them to everybody, but he made it uh, available to me. And while you're sitting there smoking cigars, like, do you remember any conversations you guys had together? Oh, no, not really. No, tell you the truth. I mean, uh, yeah, man, nah, nothing really there. I didn't really have any great uh, <clears throat> uh, exchanges with them. And you mentioned watching the cast work together and how they would make suggestions to each other. So do you have any specific examples of that? Uh, what? So Julia Louise Dreyfus. And Michael Richards. It was the two of them that were working that I found I saw working together. And you know, um, for what it's worth, Heidi Swedberg is a fantastic person and a funny person and a good actress. And you know, I think that's pretty low for you know Jason Alexander going after her the way he did. And I I'm sure you guys you're aware of that one, right? Or no? Well, there was some confusion where I think Jason had made some comments and they got taken out of context. And later he did say he does. He would agree with you that Heidi is a great person and she's a great actress. And he just didn't think that they worked very well together. They came well, and called her a different... comedy black hole, you know, and I, you know, I, guess, I don't yeah. know how you take that out of context. But no, that's she, was, I, yeah. she was funny. She was great. She was. She wonderful. was. Absolutely. You know, and uh, I maybe I maybe that's been resolved or something. Maybe that's old news. I shouldn't be retreading, but I just wanted to stick up for Heidi. That's all. Oh, absolutely, we love Heidi Swedberg. And speaking of terrific guest stars, Wayne Knight was also in that episode. So, do you have any stories about him? He Wayne Knight was on uh, a show called uh, the Julie Brown. Was it the Julie Brown show? It was not downtown Julie Brown. It was the other Julie Brown, the comedy Julie Brown. And they did a parody of Herman's Head, and Wayne Knight played me. So, you know, they say imitation is the most sincere form of flattery. I, I don't think there's anything like that going on. Wayne just got cast as me. <laughs> <laughs> but it was hilarious because he had the hat and everything. And, and I would get, uh, I still get confused with Wayne Knight, you know, I mean, I, I wish I had his career, but, um, and wish I was in Jurassic Park. That that's probably some good residuals coming from that. But um, Jill Talley, who is an old friend from Second City, she's Tom Kenny's wife. She's big in an animation and, uh, she played well uh, I, she was in it as well i don't remember who she played but uh uh and tom tom played one of the guys who was in the brand uh, the wimp guy but um yeah tom kenny jill tally great great old friends still to this day and just getting back to heidi swedberg for a second we mentioned how jason had said that they had different comedy instincts and he had a tough time filming certain scenes with her so could you sense that at all when you were working with them? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. And I don't even know what that means. I mean, that's like somebody trying to clean clean up a mess. We had different comedy instincts, you know. I mean, whatever. I, 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 no, I never saw any. Uh, in, in fact, she was just wonderful. In fact, I fell in love with her. I felt <laughs> I was in love with her. I still I would see her at auditions afterwards. And I'd just be like, oh, um, I even admit it to my wife. <laughs> yeah, but she's very nice, very nice person. And yeah, um, seems yeah, like I it. didn't see anything like that. No, I was just worried about my own stuff. Anything else you remember about filming that scene with Jason and Heidi when the four of you were out to dinner? Um, 
boy. You know, it was like you guys were saying, if you don't remember something, it's okay. I'm like, well, I'll remember everything. And then I'm like, wow, what? Wow. So the first scene, so we're sitting at, are we in a restaurant or we're sitting at their, no, we're in their apartment, right? You're out to dinner. You, the four of you we're are out, out to dinner. Here, we are. We're out to dinner. That's what you said. Yeah, I can't even remember the scene. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't really remember much about shooting that. Um, you know, plus also kind of you're up and running on that show energy, too. So like an improv, I'm a big improv guy, right? So I went, I was with Second City and uh, I still do it to this day. And you go up on stage and you do 20 minutes like you do a Herald. You do this 20 minute improvisation and. Um, but you forget, you don't remember what you did. It's almost like this amnesia that you have that you don't really remember, you know, what happened on sh and showtime. Now that's a lot because you're improvising, you're making up as you're going and it's just kind of blah, 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 blah. So you'd think more scripted, you might remember it a little bit more, but this was 30 years ago. So, but I'll try to give you something on the next scene. What was the next scene? Well, we actually have a clip of the next scene. So here, we'll play it for you first, and then we'll ask you about it. Why can't we use seven? It's, it's my name. I, I made it up. You, you can't just steal it. Well, it's not as if Susan's pregnant. You've already postponed the wedding. Who knows if you'll ever get married? Hey, 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 don't worry about me. I'm not a waffler. I don't waffle. Look, we're both big Mickey Mantle fans, and we love the name. It's very unusual. What happened to soda? I thought we all agreed on soda. No, we don't care for soda. You don't care for soda? No, no, we don't like soda at all. How do you not like soda? It's bubbly. It's refreshing. Oh, oh what is it? I felt something. Are you okay, honey? I think I'm going into labor. Okay, okay. Okay, let's not panic. Let's okay. just get to the hospital. Okay. All right? I got the suitcase oh. packed right here. Oh. Let's go. What about oh. six? Oh. Nine? Thirteen? Oh. Thirteen's looking. Fourteen? Fourteen? <laughs> So what do you remember about filming that scene with Jason? Well, I'm just a fan. Of, I mean, I do. I'm a fan of his performances. Right. So and he talks and he always hits a joke like this. You know, he's that that meter that he hits, you know, it's just always funny. And, and of course, Jerry Stiller, rest his soul, uh, uh, did it so well playing his father. Um. You know, I also, what was it? Jason, Jason is married to a friend of mine's, uh, a friend of mine's uh, sister. So uh, that, uh, so uh, there's kind of a little bit of a, of a recognition of that, of that having, uh, uh, us having that past, but nothing interesting. I mean, I really don't have much for you. I'm, I'm really sorry. Um, That's okay. Yeah, I mean, they, like I said, it was just, it was a great process. They were, and like, a, I, I hate to sound like a broken record, but they were fantastic. They, you know, they made you feel welcome, the whole, uh, and then just seeing how the operation works. And you see, this is a hit show. This is a number one show. What was your impression of Larry David during your time there? Uh, so I knew him a little better once curb started because i auditioned for curb a number of times i ended up finally doing an episode it took it took me i think five or six auditions and um jeff garland and i are friends from second city and so uh it was great great fun to be on that show with larry and um and jeff wasn't in the scene that i was in but to you know play with those guys it's great and uh but i don't remember Larry is much from Seinfeld because, you know, I, at that point I'm working with Andy, I'm working with the, with the actors, but, and the producers sometimes come down to the floor to give actors notes or something. Um, but the guest cast, I don't think, I mean, I think it would happen if it had to, but mostly it would be through Andy. Do you remember filming that scene in the car when you're rushing to the hospital with your wife and George is sitting in the back seat? I just remember the only thing I know I remember about that scene is because I used to like doing that punchline thing when you do this at the end. And so I do one of those in the car at George. And so I felt like I was doing George's thing back at him. And I thought I got away with one.
So I was kind of excited to be able to do one of those with who I was with the man I, I uh, thought to be the master of the I don't even know what you call it. Where you talk like this at the end. If Jerry wasn't the, if Jerry Stiller wasn't the king of it, George, uh, Jason certainly was. <laughs> but yeah, I, I do a little of that, a shtick, and I kind of, I kind of lifted it a little bit from Jason. Now's not the best time, George. <laughs> yeah, that's a yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> that's great. Are we almost there? Just keep breathing, okay? Okay, okay. Okay. You know, the thing is, I, I kind of promised the widow mantle that I would name my baby seven. Now's not the best time, George. It's just that I know her, and boy, George, she's in labor. So am I. And then for your final scene in the hospital, do you remember if you shot that on a soundstage or was that filmed on a different lot? No, it's just right next door. They're great. They can make it anything look like the the legit real thing, you know. Um, But that's a great shot of him in the window, you know. And then, you know, also how many people have actually named their children seven is just hysterical. <laughs> you know, not and then tattoos or and they're not just their dogs, their children. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Pretty wild. Well, then we have to ask you, what do you think of the name seven? I I like six better. <laughs> <laughs> Six is 13, good. 13's no good. 14. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a pretty historical piece of, uh, it actually was um, uh, of television. It was actually a historical piece of television. And it was, I think, the seventh highest rated uh, Seinfeld episode, you know, originally when they aired. Something like that. It was... Uh, I don't think it's the best. It's not the funniest one, though. I mean, you know, it's it's fun, and but it's and it's well remembered. Maybe I'm just not the funniest one. I think I think that's what it is. Now I'm not fishing for uh, compliments, but I always did feel like, uh, oh, I could have done that one a little different, you know. No, oh, there's a lot of great stuff in in that episode. Actually, one of the biggest Seinfeld mysteries is the girl who always wears the same dress like is she wearing the same dress or does she have a closet full of them like superman so we actually wanted to ask you do you have any theories about that or did anyone talk about that on the set at all we need answers ken well you're not going to get them from me i was too busy getting cheap cuban knockoffs from michael richards <laughs> and for some how thinking that that would uh, that was the guy to hang out with um but no uh um, there was there was no talk of anything like that. No, I never heard of that. Um, I, I think that maybe they knocked that stuff around the writer's room, you know. Um, but uh, generally, people weren't talking about about the show while you're working on it. You kind of are mostly talking just about other stuff, you know, where you shop, where you, you go, you know, what 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 good doctor with our plan is there for this or whatever. But um, but like I said, they're also nice. And uh, well, oh, Molly Hagan, who was in Herman's Head, went to college with uh, Elaine at uh, <laughs> Julia Louise Dreyfus at Northwestern. So there was some connection there, too. So. So based on your time there, what would you say was the key to the show's success? It was the ensemble. It was them working together. It was the fact that there was an exchange of and a flow of ideas where sometimes you can't make a suggestion like that. You can't to another actor. I mean, they know they knew by then that they liked working together and that they all genuinely liked each other. I mean, you can see right now in the cast of Friends how they're all broken apart about, you know, Matt Perry and and. Uh, you know that they you really do become like a family, and you're together. You know every day making stuff, day in and day out. You, you go through the holidays together. 
you know. So um, it does become a family. And, and that was the most remarkable thing to me was, uh, was the ebb and flow of ideas, create, the, being the creative thing being the most important thing. You know, not somebody's ego, not, not, you know, be careful, don't say this around this person or don't, don't suggest anything to her because she's not going to like it. You know, there's so many divas that, uh, and the stars, you know, that, that, that it can, it can happen pretty quick too. Do you have a favorite scene you were in or a favorite line that you said? Yeah, well, I, I think that it was the finally getting, you know, not now, George, you know, that whole that thing, just exactly what you said. And then the uh, and then give it the hammer and them with it. That was that was pretty fun. It's funny, though, because um, because my son was born uh, not long before that. So I was a new dad as well. So it was kind of easy for me to access you know, the new father thing. And, and he was born in a hot tub in Culver City, um, you know, underwater, in a underwater birth. So like, this was nothing for me, this TV birthing thing, I got it. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) And then my daughter ends up ironically, this doesn't have anything to do with it. But ironically, Three years later, my daughter's born in the back seat of our car on the way to the hospital, um, much in the same way that, you know, without George Costanza next to her in the back seat. She was with her sister, not George. And um, and the kid was born. Oh, it was, and it was that one, the lovely Michaela. She was born um, on the corner of Western and Beverly in uh, in Koreatown and in Hollywood, California. So there you go. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I wanted to ask you about a deleted scene that was featured on the DVDs for this episode where it's after baby seven is born and you're all sitting on a park bench admiring her in her stroller. So I was just curious, like, do you remember filming that scene at all? Am I in it? Yeah. I'm in it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I apparently don't. <laughs> I apparently don't remember filming that at all. We were all adoring baby seven. Well, that's sweet. Why would they cut that? <laughs> uh, that's funny. I did not know that. Wow. Oh, she is so precious. Thank you. Isn't seven beautiful, George? Yes, yes, very beautiful. Everybody loves seven. Oh, Seven. What a great name. I wish we'd thought of that. Well, we'll name the next one Seven. You can't. It's taken. I need some air. You're outside. Oh, my God, that's her. Christy! Christy, wait! What are you wearing? So, you touched on it a little bit earlier, but several years after Seinfeld, you worked with Larry David again on Curb Your Enthusiasm. So, what was your experience like working on that show? Being on Curb Your Enthusiasm was great. Uh, I, I auditioned for it several times, um, and I got, felt like I got closer and closer every time. And I finally got the job. And it was very exciting. We went over to Beverly Hills to a house that was the Jerry's, uh, I mean, not Jerry, uh, Larry's real house uh, in the show. I think he's moved a couple of times. I don't know, but maybe not. Anyway, um, it was a pretty quick scene. Two of the writers, you know, those, that's a good fact for a factoid. Um, two of the writers who were on Seinfeld on the, on the show when I was on it, and they're on Curb, it's Berg and Schaefer, and they were on Herman's Head. So that was their first show, I believe, and they were on Herman's Head's in our second starting in our second season or were they on the whole run i don't remember but um but they were on curb well they were seinfeld forever and then they did all of curb as far as i know i don't know if there's still a team though i think they might have split up but um but yeah like can you can you believe it they were they were herman's head guys and then they 
became Larry's uh, wingman. Wow, that's pretty cool. Uh, any behind-the-scenes stories you'd like to share with us from being on the set of Curb? Well, Jeff gave me a pretty cool uh, Cubs jersey as a gift. I have to say that was pretty nice. If I had easy access to that, I'd pull it out for you. Um, Hopefully that was real, unlike the cigar. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> right? Um, well, it was a knockoff, but it's a real knockoff. <laughs> uh but, uh, yeah, it was just uh, it was another good day of work, you know. And and finally, though, I had, uh, you know, I finally overcome my, my what is it? My ballywick. Is that the right thing to say? My no, that's not the right thing. Uh, but, you know, my uh, I couldn't break through the emergency glass that was Curb Your Enthusiasm. And I'm a Second City guy. I'm a. I started, I was in cast with Corral and Colbert and, you know, and I'm, I'm, that's my thing. And, uh, and I didn't have the best day, but it's intimidating, you know, and, um, and then, you know what it was, this is kind of interesting because I figured out how to audition for that show, at least I think. And I, I, I realized my mistake, like the sixth time I auditioned. So the next time I went in, I let Larry win. I let him win the argument because I wasn't letting him win. And you got to let him win. He's going to win the argument. He's the funny guy, not you, right? So that's what I learned. So I let him win the argument and I got the job finally. I swear that's why I got it. (laughs) There you go. And before we move on to our final segment, is there anything we didn't ask you about Seinfeld or Curb that you'd like to share with us? Yeah, no, I'm 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 pretty good. I think you guys covered it pretty well. All right, great. All right, so before we let you go, we're just going to move on to our final segment. It's called This, That, and the Other. So basically, we just ask you a question, and the first thing that comes to mind, you let us know. Okay. So first question, what is your favorite film? Okay, so... Um... The quick uh, answer is Citizen Kane, which lots of people say. So I'm going to say that it, it's a touch of evil. I loved Orson Welles. I even wrote, um, I half wrote a musical tribute to Orson Welles that I wanted to put up someday. Someday I still will. And I want to play Orson. Uh, but I went to film school at Columbia College. I wanted to be in, a, in film. and. Uh, you didn't ask me about this, um, but uh, I was writing like not good films. And somebody said to me, if you want to learn how to write, go to Second City and you'll never have a problem writing again. So that's what I did. But we just liked improv so much that, boom, you know, film school was out and improv was in. And we had, you know, you'd be out, you'd be editing a film for six months and you know, in a dark room, you know, hunched over a desk, and then you finally show it, you know, in front of people at a student screening, and that was it, you know, and here, you have an instant show, there's girls at the bar next door afterwards, and, you know, it didn't take six months, you know, and that was not a hard decision to make. (laughs) I know that wasn't an answer to your question, but. No, that's okay. (laughs) We can use that somewhere. Yeah, exactly. Clever (laughs) ethic. Favorite band or musician? It's Frank Sinatra. Um, There's no question. Well, there is a question because the greatest, one of the greatest entertainers of all time is Sammy Davis Jr. Mm. So, I mean, Sammy could do it all. He could sing. He could act. He could. He did impressions. He, you know, he did it. He did everything. Then he would, you know, he'd play bongos or he'd be, you know, playing the drums or he'd be, you know, a musical instrument. And I just love his performances. He's just fantastic. Some of his acting stuff is really, really good. Same could be said for Sinatra, though. Um, I'm going to say it's Frank, though. It begins and ends with Frank. I was a rock and roller. I was into, uh, you know, uh, prog rock. I was a Emerson, Lake, and Palmer fan, and Rush, and um, yes, I was into yes, and um, yeah, and then 
Joe Jackson's album, Jump and Jive, came out. And that was all these, uh, those Joe, uh, who was Louis Jordan songs. And I heard those Louis Jordan songs and I was just loving it. And so a friend of mine said, well, if you like those, you should listen to this. And he put on Sinatra with, and it was arrangements by, what was it? Wild Affair, I think it was. But anyway, oh no, it was Michael Porter. It was a, uh, Frank Sinatra, Michael Porter. And I was like, whoa, wait a minute, what? And so like my whole focus shifted jazz and big band music and that kind of stuff. So it's Frank Sinatra. Great choice. (laughs) What role or performance are you proudest of? Well, in a weird way, it's, I don't think it's, I'm not even sure what's the best movie I've ever been in, but Armageddon is not a very great film, but a lot of people love it. And um, I'm most proud of it because I've had literally, I had like one line in the script. That's it. Everything else I improvised. I improvised 95% of my dialogue in that movie. And, um, And they let me do it. I mean, you know, Michael Bay let me go until the camera ran out. I mean, I remember doing the, my introduction, uh, which was to be my introduction. And they would just, you know, let the camera go. And then when I heard, I could hear the, you know, the reel was out and I knew it was cut, you know, and that was it. They, they kept doing that. And I, I was in my element, you know, let me do it, let me go. And, and so, yeah, outside of, um, I do a thing where there's a, the, they're giving us medical uh, examinations, one of them psychological. And, um, and I'm with Udo Kier in this scene, the psychologist who was Andy Warhol's Dracula and Andy Warhol's Frankenstein. Fantastic. Um, and that, in that scene, I did do a couple of lines that were from my audition, which were lines for Steve Buscemi's character about eating haggis. Those are the only two scripted lines I said, and they weren't even my lines, they were Steve Buscemi's lines. So, but he ended up not saying that stuff anyway. So yeah, that was, that's why I'm proud of it because not that it's such a great movie, but because my contribution to it, I'm proud of what I did and how, what I was able to accomplish. The role you didn't get that you really wanted. Hmm. Well, there's a bunch of those. Um, oh, I, I can answer this one easy because I should be, um, I should be Walter White. I should have been on Breaking Bad. And this is why. I auditioned for the father on Malcolm in the Middle, and I almost got it. And if I would have gotten it, I would have gotten then they would have given that role. I would have gotten the same thing would have happened for me, right? Exactly. He he does he does Malcolm in the Middle. He goes to Breaking Bad. That would have been that was my role. Okay. Um, so yeah. Could have been. Uh, I, I really would have liked to have done that. I, and I almost got, I almost got the par, a part on um, that uh, when they started uh, uh, Third Rock from the Sun, uh, but it was the little kid's role. And how did oh. the little kid, how did he get that part? <laughs> right? Like it was, they wanted me, but then they didn't, and they just got this kid instead. Todd. <laughs> Yeah, it was that, that kind of stuff happens so all the time. Like they just recast uh, a movie I did years ago for kids. It was a Disney movie called Under Wraps, and they just redid it. And they, but they, the, my role changed and was a, a Chinese woman. Well, there you go. Because <laughs> everyone is inclusive. They want to be inclusive, right. you know. There but, you go. Uh, yeah, that there's I and I, if I keep thinking, I can think of a lot of them. But yeah. Most intimidating actor or director you've ever worked with? Well, Bruce is somewhat intimidating, but he's a really nice guy, so he wasn't really that intimidating at all. It's Bruce Willis. And Michael Bay 
I he I worked with him before and made him laugh and he liked me so we, I didn't I was never really in, really that intimidated by him like a lot of people say they are. But my first movie before Home Alone I was cut out of and it was a movie called Folks and it was I was cast by Lynn Stallmaster whose name you'll see in a lot of old uh, movies and a lot of good movies and it was with Tom. Selleck, and I was with Don Amici and with Ann Jackson. I was in the scene. I was a used car salesman, and this director, Ted Kotchik, we're going to do the scene of getting into the car, and Don Amici looks at me, and he goes, will you be my friend? And I was just like, huh? Okay. Get in the car. All right. And, like, I didn't know what to do. I was like, and I hear, God, God, God. And Ted Kotchik comes over and goes, when somebody talks to you and says something to you, you fucking answer them. What do you think you're doing? Come on, back to one. And I'm like, I can improvise? Like, I had no idea I could improvise. I just knew I didn't have any lines in this scene, so I'm just ushering them in the car. And then I realized, well, improvise until I tell you not to, right? So it was a good lesson. But that director, boy, and that was my first time. And both my parents were on the set. My mom was bringing Don Amici water and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, it was cool. It was actually, yeah, it was. Uh, but then I ended up getting cut out. So that was a bummer. Uh, but you still get you still get resids if you get cut out. Oh, okay. Well, well that's what counts. <laughs> the actor you worked with who was the most different from the character he or she played? Hmm. Anyway, it was B. Peter McKenzie um, from Herman's Head, and because he played a, you know, very pompous and you know, uh, proper intellectual type, and there's no more foul-mouthed, filthy person in the world than Peter McKenzie, and the funniest guy, funniest guy in the world. Favorite story working on the set of a film or TV show? All right. So um, I was on an episode. Uh, I did four episodes of The Practice. And um, my my character arc was that I caught my wife in bed with my father, uh, with my best friend, not with my father. With, <laughs> I caught my wife with my best friend in bed in my house, having sex and listening to my favorite song, the Peppermint Twist on the on the stereo. I'm so enraged that I kill them. I kill them. I, I kill them both. Um, and so I'm up for murder, double murder. And um, they bring in Sharon Stone to be my my attorney. So Sharon Stone's my attorney. And we're doing the episode and we're, you know, so we're doing, we get to court and we finally get to court and I'm at my day in court and I've got a page and a half monologue and I, you know, I'm like, oh boy, this is going to be something else. And so then I'm kind of thinking about what I got to do. And there's a, you know, there's a jury and there's an audience and there's, so there's hundreds of people and their work is being done and everything. And they're getting the set together. And I'm just thinking about what I have to do. And she comes up to me and she goes, are you ready? Are you, you know, are you ready to go? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I think I got it. She goes, okay, okay. Stop the work, please. Stop the work, everybody. <clears throat> come here, come here. Now, when you are doing your monologue, when you walk up to the house and you open the door, do you have kids? I said, yeah. She goes, that's great. Your kids are playing on the floor. They're your kids, all right? And when you walk into the house, you hear a noise upstairs. And so you go up the stairs. And when you, when you get closer, you start hearing his penis going in and out of her vagina. Okay, you ready? Okay. All right, back. Everyone back to work. Let's go. And she calls everybody back to work. And I'm just like this. <laughs> Sharon Stone just made queefing sounds in my ear. 
and now I have to do a monologue in front of 500 people. (laughs) (laughs) And we went on a break, and I walked by the sound guy. I go, did you hear what she just said to me? And he goes, no, because I pot it down, and I always do, because I'm a professional, and so are you. Which meant that he definitely heard every word of it. <laughs> right. Because he was telling me, don't go on somebody's podcast and tell this story. That's what he was telling me. <laughs> so I'm not sure if you're able to use that at all. I hope my daughter didn't hear it. I don't think she knows that story. Uh, but uh, it's 100% true. Believe me. I wouldn't tell a story like that. If, if I, you know, I don't know how I can back it up, but. <laughs> well, I gotta call Sharon Stone now and find out. Okay. See if she, she wants to come she wouldn't, She'd probably be. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought I really helped him. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> well, on a completely different note, we also wanted to ask you about Home Alone because that's obviously one of your best known roles, and so many people still watch that movie, especially around this time of the year. So what was it like getting to be a part of that film? So everyone was real excited for me because they, you know, at Second City, other people started doing films and stuff like that. And that's just kind of what starts to happen when you're there. And so everyone was excited. I had them and they're like, oh, I heard you're in a John Candy movie. And I'm like, no, I just have a scene with this kid, you know, and they're like, ah, too bad. You know, to them, to everybody, it was a John Candy movie. So for me, it was just a movie. I would like to be in any movie. You know, that's fine. And my audition was crazy because when I got there, Chris Farley made it to the audition before me. And he's asleep on the chairs in the hallway because he's just some buddies have dropped him off. It's nine o'clock in the morning. And it's like a Saturday morning. So I'm like, Farley, wake up, wake up. And he's like, hey, what's going on, Kenny? And I'm like, we got you have an audition in, you know, minutes, you know. He's like, all right. And so he went in first and the door didn't hit his, couldn't have hit his ass fast enough. And um, because he had been up all night and he wasn't, and he wasn't Chris Farley yet. You know, he was not on SNL yet. He was still Second City. And so then, you know, I was like, all right, let's go. And uh, there's like four or five other guys, the late Jay Leggett, the late great Jay Leggett. And I happened to get the audition and it was, you know, very exciting. And um, just the whole thing, the whole town of Winneka showed up and I didn't know how to drive a stick. So they had a teamster teach me how to drive a stick and I still couldn't get it right, you know. So the first scene, they had the cameras parked, uh, the cars parked right in front of the camera. And they go, okay, Kenny, you're going to do your scene with Mac and then you're going to just get in the car and you're going to turn on the engine and you're just going to put it in gear and go around the camera. So I was like, okay, no sweat. And so doing the scene me and mac are doing the scene oh it's going great it's going great but all i can think about is put the clutch in let out the clutch put that and all i can think about is driving the stick and i got to drive it around the freaking camera right so and it's tight and so we finish the scene he goes away i give him the take test he goes away i get in the car and i put it in gear boom 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 around the camera yeah i stuck the landing 100 percent get out of the car, I'm beaming, you know, the director comes over, Chris Columbus comes over and he says, good job, Kenny. Only one thing, you didn't turn on your headlights. You gotta go again. Let's go back to one, bring the car around, there we go. So we do the scene, it goes okay, it doesn't have anything good, Matt goes, I get in there, (laughs) I couldn't get it, and I go, F word, right? So uh, I had to come in and dub, they didn't want F word, but they wanted the me not being able to start my own car, and I dubbed in something or other, son of a or whatever, and yeah, that's my <laughs> little Home Alone story. Ah, that's great. <laughs> what was your impression of Macaulay Culkin? Did you get to talk to him at all? Yeah, we we interacted a little bit. He was uh, pretty funny because he was uh, on the make for uh, getting money for getting his lines right. So like he'd say, you know, oh, I want my my dad back. Oh, I mean my family. Ah, oh. and then they go cut, cut. All right, Mac, 
let's go again. He goes, I can get it right for five dollars. And they go, okay. And you go, I want my family. <laughs> he would just nail it. And they were just paying because they wanted to get out of there. So he had this little scam going. and uh, But he was just angelic. His skin was transparent. You could see the you know veins and that, the green, the, the, the whitest skin and just precious, you know. And now he's like 50 or something, right? <laughs> <laughs> But no, he was. He was really cute and uh, and and you know a little precocious and and playing people a little bit. Um, but great, you know, great fun to be. Just fun to work with a kid. I never had worked with a kid or anything. By the way, that's really interesting that Chris Farley auditioned for the same role you did. I I never knew that. You know, I kind of stopped saying that to people because they go, "Wow, what would that have been like?" <laughs> like, well, apparently it wouldn't have been any better. <laughs> Apparently, I got the job. That's right. Uh, but, you know, I probably wouldn't have once he became Chris Farley. You know, that's the way, you know, oh, it's Chris Farley. You know, it's a SNL guy. He's not even auditioning for those. But, yeah, and that was a sad day when we buried him. It was, uh, he came by the Armageddon set in 97, just before he died. It was just weeks before he died. And when we found out we are on set. I heard somebody talk about Farley. I was like, what's going on? Is he here again? And like, no, he's dead. And I was like, you know, that's, he's like, that's like one of my brothers, you know, that's like one of the second city guys. So yeah, yeah, he was, uh, he was crazy, but he was phenomenally talented. He was a force of nature. I, I had preceded him by a few months at second city. And when he came in, it just, boosh, he went right by me, you know, it was, didn't take long. But but that, uh, you know, he used to do, Odenkirk talks about it in our film, he talks about how Farley would look at you and during that scene, right? So they're doing that scene on main stage and it's that van down by the river, right? It's that guy. Yeah. Um, and it's, uh, it's called, it was a scene called Motivational Speaker. That was the name of the scene. But he wrote the whole thing for Farley based on a character he had done the night before and they did it at second city. But he said that Farley would look you right in the eye and tell you broke until he got you to laugh. And he would just keep doing stuff. He would keep pulling up his pants and clicking <laughs> his belt around and, and getting frustrated and, you know, and just make, he would make you laugh. And he had Tim Meadows, Jill Talley again, and, and, and Bob Odenkirk on stage, all three of them, and until he got all three of them to laugh, scene wasn't over yet. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he was great. Force of nature. Absolutely. And final thing, favorite moment of your career? Well, I got a chance bestowed upon me by Bruce Willis to be in a film called Breakfast of Champions. I've been a Kurt Vonnegut fan ever since I saw Slaughterhouse-Five when I was in film school. And um, and I read many of his books, not all of them, but a lot of them. And have uh, friends that have wanted me or Farley at different times. They wanted either of us to play the character of uh, Elliot Rosewater. And um, there's a book about Elliot Rosewater. And then he's a character who's also in a number of uh, Vonnegut's stories. And so anyway, he's in Breakfast of Champions. And so Bruce brought me and Will Patton and Steve Buscemi over to do these three roles as truck driver or as, uh, yeah, as people who picked up uh, Albert Finney along the way, uh, um, Kilgore Trout, as he was coming, walking across America. And so while I was there to film my, truck uh, driver part they kept looking at me from there's the director's table it was with well, not the director's table the director's sitting at a table with bruce and they're eating dinner and lunch or whatever and they're looking at me and finally they call me over and they say kenny we want to do a makeup test with you and so i went and did a makeup test and it made me look like my dad and i played elliot rosewater opposite albert finney in breakfast of champions i did a scene with buck henry I worked, who was one of my heroes, absolute heroes. 
and uh, and I got to work with Albert Finney. Are you kidding me? Um, it it was that was like that's where I really felt like wow, I'm really doing the kind of thing I thought I could do, and it was just very exciting. It's very exciting to go by the Snake River in Idaho and and work with those people and shoot that film. So. And that was it. Shooting Breakfast of Champions, a very little known film that probably nobody has seen. But uh, it's wild. There's a lot of people in that movie. And before we let you go, I just want to let our listeners know that you're available on Cameo, right? I am. And uh, I do cameos. I, you can find me as Ken Hudson Campbell, just my name or Ken. I, uh, I have a second character. I figured out this is people are going to want cameos from Home Alone people, right? So I figure they're going to type in Home Alone, and they could get a whole list of people. But if I make a character called Home Alone Ken Hudson Campbell, they're only going that's the first thing they're going to see. So you search Home Alone Ken Hudson Campbell. I'll give you Tic Tacs. Uh, everyone to see Santa's got to get something. I'll, uh, I'll, but I'll, it'll, it'll make any Home Alone fan in your family or your friends or anything that'll make them way happy your christmas shopping is done all you have to do go to cameo go to home alone santa ken hudson campbell and there you go your christmas shopping is done sounds good ken well thank you so much for joining us today this was really a lot of fun we appreciate it no sweat i had a great time and uh good luck with this and i'm glad to be a part of this Oh, thank you so much. We're so glad you were a part of it as well. Yeah, you did such a great job on Seinfeld. Like all, all your lines are just so memorable, and uh, yeah, your energy was just great. So we really appreciate it. Thanks for telling us all your stories. Thanks a lot, and thanks for having me. All right, have a good night. Hey yeah, guys. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. If you have any questions or comments, please feel free to email us at theplace to be Seinfeld at gmail.com. You can also find our show on Facebook at The Place to Be, a Seinfeld podcast, Twitter at TPTB Seinfeld, and Instagram at theplacetobe.podcast. You can find our show on Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Pocket Casts, Radio Public, and Apple Podcasts. And if you'd like, please rate and review. It really helps us out. Until next time, be sure to hang up your pants for the perfect crease. Okay, breathe, honey, breathe. You know, you're really being very selfish. It would be nice if you would think of someone other than yourself every now and then. I'm having a baby! George, you're not getting seven. Now get out of here! Please, I have so little! I'm sorry, sir. Family only. A family! I'm having sex with the cousin!